0: Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one.
1: If it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. That understanding works for you, and so therefore it is absolutely right for you. All beliefs have become only relatively
2: true, and of course to the world, religion is just some personalized experience, not a divine revelation, and the church is catching the disease. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you like horror movies, you're going to love this. This is Wretched Radio. Prepare to enter a scary land. It's a territory the Bible calls Adiaphora. That's right, Disputable Dispensations, an area where Christians can have different opinions on varying subjects. And it is Clearly defined for us in Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 8 through 10. And most of us, especially those of us who are conservative, we don't like going into that territory because we think adiaphora means compromise. If I don't draw a stark line on every single issue, then... I'm out of the camp. I've crossed the line. I've now entered into the territory of apostasy. And yet, the Bible calls us to consider these areas, these gray areas where different Christians disagree. And we are going to do that, as scary as it might be, because... We evangelicals in this time, in this place, are being confronted with new pressures, new cultural issues that are making their way into the church that are causing divisions. Now, should cultural issues ever cause division? Yeah, of course they can. We we, want to make sure that we don't compromise on those things. And yet, when it comes to the issue of how to engage on cultural issues, that's where it gets a little bit tricky and downright scary because there can be different Christians who have different takes on different cultural issues. Now, I'm not talking about the essence of whether they're right or wrong. I'm talking about the approach. How do we engage? What is the evangelical way to go about the business of seeing Roe v. Wade overturned? Friday was a good day, wasn't it? How do we engage on issues of morality and values? How much do we preach on these things? Do we need to come out with a statement from our church? Where are we at with responding to the government when they come up with onerous rules about whether we can open or not? These these are issues that are big. And they're historically cultural issues, but they've made their way into the church Because evangelicals have been grappling with how do we engage on these subjects? And here's what I think we have these days. We have different evangelicals dividing from other evangelicals over approach. Let's use the life issue. Do I believe that a Christian can hold the position that abortion is ever okay in any circumstance for any reason? No, I don't. Could it be that there are different evangelicals, though, that see how we engage in this subject? And the answer is, yeah, obviously. It's the battle between incrementalists and abolitionists. Incrementalists who celebrated Roe v. Wade, abolitionists who would say, until it is totally, completely outlawed, we're not big fans of incremental advancements with life. And and we see born-again believers who agree that abortion is abominable, arguing over cultural engagement. How we talk about this subject, what our goals and aims are, and it is happening these days a lot. First Things author Aaron Wren identified the three worlds of evangelicalism. In his estimation, there are basically three camps inside of the evangelical community that have different approaches to cultural engagement. Please note the difference. I'm not talking about cultural issues. I'm talking about cultural engagement. He writes this. American evangelicalism is deeply divided, and he offers a laundry list of divisions. The CRT issue most certainly is one of those big issues. Some people are deconstructing their faith and leaving evangelicalism or even Christianity behind. Where once there was a culture war between Christianity and secular society, today there is a culture war within evangelicalism itself. I'm happy to enter into that fray, but I want to do it biblically. And this is where Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8 and 10 must be put on the table as we go about the business of constructing our battle plan for cultural engagement and how we're going to engage with one another when we see some things differently. That is not a safe place for us. I like it black and white. This is what I think on the issue. You disagree. You're out of there. That's convenient. That's easy. But it's not biblical. Please note. I'm not talking about essential cardinal doctrines. I'm talking not even about cultural issues like life and marriage. Christian, you got to have your act together on those subjects. I'm talking about how we respond to them, how we engage. I suspect you've been in a little bit of a battle, maybe even inside of your own church. Bob. He just, man, I can't get enough of Fox News and I can't get enough of Alex Jones or whatever. And you, on the other hand, are kind of like, you know, I'm really not that exercised about political and social issues. I'm more concerned about preaching the gospel. We go after one another. Hold on. We're dividing over the approach to cultural issues And this land is scary when we enter into the territory known as Adiaphora, disputable dispensations, different Christians with different approaches, because we fear it means compromise. It can, and you want to avoid that, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't enter this territory so that we can have the unity that God desires for us because the devil doesn't want us to have unity. He hates it. He loves division. And we're seeing a lot of it in evangelical Christianity. The author of First Things article writes, These divisions do not only represent theological difference. They also result from particular strategies of public public engagement that developed over the last few decades as the standing of Christianity has gradually eroded. Let's go into the territory that is a little bit frightening to us and see if it is possible that we have been dividing with brothers and sisters who have a different approach on cultural engagement than I do. The very next article that I happen to be reading in my stacko stories was written by Trevin Wax. Headline, Encouragement and, Coul- and Caution for Culture Warriors. And he offered a number of these, hey, be careful on this. And the first five of them, you would just amen. So, for instance, the reality of Christian warfare, it exists. You need to be engaged in the spiritual battle. If you've been sitting on the sidelines, get off the bench. Number two, the danger of misidentifying the enemy. We must distinguish the serpent from his prey. That is why we seek to convert our opponents, not own or destroy them. We seek their rescue, not their ruin. So, in other words, we need to make a a separation a division in understanding who the actual enemy is. If somebody is propagating wicked, evil ideologies, behavior, terrible theologies, um, they're an enemy of the gospel. They're an enemy of the church. They're an enemy of the cross. They're an enemy of Jesus. The people who follow them, they're the harvest field. So are, by the way, the propagators of, of, of these ideologies. But we need to distinguish. There is a difference between Prey and the serpent. Trevin Wax writes, the hollowing out of the soul. Specifically, Peter's focus in 1 Peter wasn't on the battle being waged against them by unbelieving authorities. He started with the daily struggle going on in their own hearts. We've got to recognize that's a battle. And that's the big one. Because that's the only one where I can really (laughs) affect much change. The danger of friendly Fire was his last point. Pretty much everything he said to this point, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. That's good and conservative, Trevin. Well done. And then he gets to this. The danger of friendly fire. Culture wars are impossible without friendly fire and casualties among allies. And I fear we are already witnessing this development among those who push for a return to the culture war mentality. We shoot Our brothers and sisters, Uh uh-oh, if these uh, two pundits are correct in their observations, this is going on inside of the evangelical community. We're shooting our brothers and sisters. Please note, is there ever a time to say, you're out of here? Of course there is. There's church discipline. There are essential issues. You've got to have the boxes checked or you cannot be considered a member of the kingdom But what both of these pundits observed is that we are separating over issues that don't demand separation. And that brings us back to Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8 through 10. A scary place where I can meet a brother or sister who sees different political, social, and economic issues differently. And I don't have to fire at them. I can live with them in unity it can be challenging but i want to be willing to seek fellowship and unity as much as it is possible without compromising without abandoning the essentials and sometimes dwelling in that territory that lies in between that is absolutely biblical it's a scary land and we'll Begin our journey through the territory of Adiaphora next on Wretched Radio. Let's visit a preborn life center in action.
1: Look at that baby. Abortion pill reversal actually works. That's a beating heart. Oh, look how small it is.
2: Tell me. That doesn't encourage you to consider supporting preborn.org/slash wretched. $28 purchases a free ultrasound. For a mommy who will choose life, it is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 Ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. Would you please consider supporting pre-born centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? for an ultrasound 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, hey, thank
3: you for tuning in to Wretched Radio today. We certainly appreciate your time. Did you know there is actually something in existence that gives you information on things happening at Wretched? Things like upcoming product launches or details on upcoming seasons of our productions of Wretched Radio, Wretched TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and Breaking Bread. Also, information on job openings here at Wretched. Information on upcoming sales in the Wretched store. What I'm referring to is the monthly Wretched newsletter. If you're not already receiving the Wretched newsletter, you're missing out on all of these things and more The wretched newsletter also contains thorough and in-depth messages on a wide range of theological topics and that's not all as a wretched newsletter subscriber you're also eligible for resources that we give away daily here at wretched so sign up and don't miss out on any of this stuff by becoming a wretched newsletter subscriber by visiting our website at wretched.org scroll to the bottom of the page and fill out the form
2: wretched amazing grace amazing gospel the situation in ukraine appears to be a long and winding and rather scary road tomorrow clubs are still in ukraine there are still club leaders there there are still christians who are willing to help other christians with the very basic necessities of life would you have the ability to help some of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine to simply receive the bare necessities? I know that Cindy Marty is extremely grateful for your support. There
0: just are really no words to describe the gratitude that we have. Believe me, the children and families in Ukraine are so grateful. Thank you so much for your prayers and support.
2: Tomorrow Club's still alive and well, but dealing with the dangers of Ukraine. If you think that you could support some believers there, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched.
0: Important dates in Christian history. 70 AD, Titus destroys Jerusalem and the temple. The separation between Christianity and Judaism deepens, and Christians spread throughout the Roman Empire, spreading the gospel as they go. God uses tragedy to forward His great commission. This is Wretched
2: Radio with Todd Friel. Scary. Very, very scary. This is Wretched Radio. If it were not to two major sections of Scripture, this conversation wouldn't be nearly as frightening as it tends to be for most of us. I'm talking about Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8 through 10, a territory that God describes as, you could call it, gray issues. You could middle things, issues on which different born-again Christians actually disagree on and yet can maintain unity. It's fascinating. If you look back over the last several decades... You have seen people, Presbyterians who believe in pedo baptism, in fellowship with believers' baptism people who would say, No, we don't sprinkle babies. You got to have faith first. And yet, recognizing this was not an essential cardinal doctrine, we were able to get along. These days, have you noticed there are divisions, separations, new alliances? Friends who now appear to be foes and vice-versa, and these issues tend to have theology involved. But what we are focusing on, courtesy of two articles that I just read back-to-back, the approach to cultural issues. How we discern what our local church and what I, as an individual, should be doing in response to a culture that is absolutely on fire. Trevin Wax, writing a long series on cultural engagement, because this is a subject that does demand our attention. It always has, but these days, I think even more, it is a necessity to understand where do we draw lines? When do we determine you are out Is it possible that maybe you and I need to reconsider how I go about the business of discernment, which is what this is all about? Trevin Wax in an article that you would amen. The the one that I read is called Encouragement and Caution for Culture Warriors. And you would go, amen, amen, amen. And then all of a sudden your brakes might screech. When he gets to a warning about the danger of friendly fire, that when it comes to culture wars, when evangelicals engage, we have a tendency to have different approaches. And with that, we have been forming our own little divisions, our own little battalions, and those who are not in them are now the enemy. And that is a warning If that observation is correct, that is a warning that needs to be heeded. And we need to consider, are we doing this culture war thing right? Trevin Wax writes, culture wars are impossible without friendly fire. And we these days are shooting our brothers and sisters. Often casualties from friendly fire do not occur on differences in doctrine. But but by questions of wisdom and discernment, because some churches and leaders adopt a different approach to cultural engagement, we may doubt their doctrinal soundness, ascribe pernicious motives to them, or label them compromisers or cowards. Oh boy, is that going on? Let's go into the territory of Adiaphora. To see if it is possible that we should not be forming our own little troops and then firing at one another because we disagree on cultural engagement tactics. Not talking about the theology. I'm not talking about whether we can suddenly start compromising on the life or the marriage issue. Of course not. What we're talking about is how we as evangelicals participate in the culture wars out there because we seem to be bringing them in here. And any time that happens, we want to be careful. We want to be thoughtful. I would suggest this. If if you've never taken some time to ponder, all right, I'm seeing a good brother, a good sister, who's got a different take on it, before I just kick them out of Christianity, am I considering what the issue is? Am I willing to recognize, okay, brother, you can have a different approach on this. I wouldn't do it that way, but you can do it, and we can still sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs together. I don't know about you, but this realm is a little bit frightening to me. Because historically, when you see people even putting a toe into the territory of Adiaphron, the next step is liberalism and it just seems inevitable that you try to navigate through issues using the principles in Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8 through 10 and the next thing you know you are you're 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 on you're on CNN as a as an anti-christian activist well wait a second is that the only option Let's go into the territory of Adiaphora, courtesy of Trevin Wax, who writes, I think correctly, some churches and leaders adopt a different approach to cultural engagement. That can lead us to doubt their doctrinal soundness, ascribe pernicious motives to them, or label them compromisers or cowards. Let's use an example that is fresh on all of our minds. COVID. How did your church respond? I hope you would say, we responded the right way. How did the churches in your neighborhood respond? There's a pretty good chance you would say the wrong way. And I'm not going to argue with you, but now what is your attitude toward them? One opened then, the other did this, they stayed inside, they went outside, they distanced, they didn't, they masked, they didn't mask. These are engagement issues, that can have differing opinions from Christians. And we need to live in that territory together, not talking about essential doctrines. From Trevin Wax, it is far too easy for Christians devoted to a righteous cause to turn their attention from the battlefield to the barracks and seek to weed out anyone who doesn't fight for the cause the same way. Please note, it's not about the cause. It's about how to fight for the cause. Like the disciples ready to call down fire from heaven on a village, many who get up in the culture war too quickly call down fire on their brothers and sisters who may view and interpret the situation differently. Getting the shakes yet? This is a tough place, isn't it? Because we like it clear and clean and straight. But God says there's a land called Adiaphron. There is no one-size-fits-all approach to cultural engagement. Christians with a different political calculus, with various regional sensibilities, temperaments, or experiences may choose different courses of action. Debate over the best course of action is good and necessary, but culture warriors and culture engagers alike must be careful not to criticize unfairly or demean brothers and sisters whose different choices are not out of line with confessional faithfulness. That's a key phrase, confessional faithfulness. Those are the areas of division. Let's draw them lines, baby, because I think they're real clear. They're definitely straight because God says, these are the issues you must believe in or you're not a member of the kingdom. Let's draw those confessional lines: political engagement, social engagement, culture warrioring, how we go about the business of living in this really fallen world. um not as clear, not as quick, not as easy. We need to draw confessional lines that but flow from prudential judgments about how to best be faithful in the public square. Uh, Not so much. Have you perhaps been unwilling to enter into this land that, I'll admit, I'm not a fan of this realm. I don't like it because I think there's an immediate temptation to be ripped to the left. And I don't want to do that. But is it possible is it conceivable that you and I can hold strong positions on cultural engagement issues, strategies, how we wage war against the culture, if that's the terminology you wanna use? Is it possible that you and I can still be in God's kingdom together, even though we disagree on, on, on some of these engagement issues? If you've never been willing to go into this land, might I bid you to come? Be careful, you don't want to slip, you don't want to stumble, you don't want to fall. You want to cleave to your foundational, cardinal, the the, the confessional issues that must be a part of the Christian testimony. And yet, see other Christians, who share those same confessional beliefs that you do with a different take on cultural engagement and still love them, not just tolerate them, love them. If you've never entered that land, do it with caution, but do it. Because the Bible defines the territory of Adiaphron as one that does exist. And while I recognize it's a territory that is fraught with dangers, it is also supposed to be the territory that keeps us from dividing when there is no actual theological division. This is Wretched Radio.
3: This is Wretched Radio, and I'm JB Hanks. Well, of course, the big story since last Friday is the official overturning of Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court. Current Georgia Senator and unqualified pastor, Raphael Warnock, is very upset over the ruling. He tweeted on Friday, quote, I'm outraged by the Supreme Court's decision as a choice pastor, I'll never back down from this fight. And not long after Warnock's tweet, Virgil Walker, a real pastor, responded by warning that Warnock is not a pastor which I totally agree with because, as we know, a pastor is a shepherd that protects the flock that he's assigned, right? For a pastor to encourage the mother to murder the unborn baby is encouraging her to murder a member of his very own flock. And that's why pro-choice and pastor are two things that don't coexist. And speaking of the Supreme Court, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas was recently asked about the potential of SCOTUS revisiting other laws in light of Roe v. Wade being overturned, laws like same-sex marriage or contraception. And Thomas says those decisions could very well be revisited. But he reminded that SCOTUS does not decide to create laws. So if those decisions were to be revisited, new laws will have to be created and passed and shut down and appealed all the way to the Supreme Court level. Could it happen? Absolutely. Will it happen anytime soon? probably not. And again, we'll stay with the Supreme Court because they made another historic ruling today that affirms religious liberty. High school football coach Joseph Kennedy was fired from his coaching job from the Seattle high school that he coached in 2015 for holding private prayer on the football field after every game. After years of back and forth rulings, the Supreme Court ruled today in favor of Coach Kennedy's right to worship God in the public square. Amen for that. Well, obviously we're on the radio, so you can't see this, but recently the Boy Scouts of America have started to carry LGBTQ flags in the parades that they're participating in. They've also been carrying those flags at the same height as the American flag, and they wonder why there's unprecedented declines in membership to the Boy Scouts. Prayers are needed for a peer of Christian brothers in Pakistan who were sentenced to death in 2018 under Pakistan's blasphemy law. That death sentence was upheld last week despite any evidence against the brothers. But as we've seen with Pakistan's blasphemy law, there is no evidence needed by the one making the accusation. Pakistan has ranked eighth on the 2022 Open Doors watch list of countries where it's most difficult to be a Christian. And as we tell you frequently here at Wretched, please make sure that you are fervently and continuously praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. <laughs> of the Bible.
0: Leviticus is the guidebook for the priests and Levites as they attend to their duties in the temple. In Leviticus, we learn that God is holy, sin is serious, and that God requires a sacrifice for atonement. Thankfully, we have complete atonement in the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ.
2: This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Please begin stretching for your adiaphora exercises. This is Wretched Radio. Headline from BeliefNet. Did I mention it's got the word belief in it? BeliefNet. Headline. Jesus did not die on the cross for our sins. Jimmy, is this a subject where I can say, well, they just see things differently and we can get along? Uh,
3: no. Absolutely. Well, you know,
2: but Adiaphora says that you can just get along and disagree on stuff. Some stuff. Yeah, but not this stuff. No, this is cardinal. This is essential. We're talking about the entire Bible here. (laughs) You can miss this. you got to work really hard to ignore not only dozens of Bible verses that talk about Jesus Christ being the propitiation for our sins, But the entire tenor of Scripture, the entire Bible points toward the need of a blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. It started in Genesis 4. We see it in Passover, in Yom Kippur. We see it in all of the sacrificial laws of the Old Testament. And we see it... In the person of Jesus Christ, who shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins, it is undeniable, it is inarguable, and if you do not believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins, you have no part in the kingdom of God. You will be told, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Why? Because you've biffed it on an essential cardinal doctrine. There is no middle ground on this. But let's continue our adiaphora exercises. I mentioned that this article was from BeliefNet. Question. You and I would rightly say that the author of this article, and potentially the people that approve this article, um, this is heresy. And that's not a word we toss about lightly, because you're, you're throwing down the gauntlet on that. But this is the essence of the Christian faith. And the person who wrote this, and the people who said yeah that's a great article let's do it I, I i wouldn't want to be in their shoes on judgment day but what about the other people who work at beliefnet they're a part of an organization that clearly prints articles that are blasphemous and heretical hmm. are they heretics for instance let me paint a picture i i work at beliefnet and I don't have anything to do with any of these things. And I don't get editorialized and I can print really good stuff. And it reaches a lot of people. And yet in the cube right down the hall is the author of Jesus did not die on the cross for our sins. What's my attitude toward that person who continues to work there? Jimmy. What's him? Um... hmm. It's see, this is this is where Adiaphora starts to get really tricky.
3: Well, yeah. I mean my, my 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 attitude toward them is one of compassion because they don't you, you obviously know they're not saved. Well the the person who wrote this right, right. I'm That's talking I'm about
2: a Christian who works there, who, who doesn't so, adhere to this nonsense, but they continue to work in a yeah, place. I don't I don't think you can. You can what? Continue to work there. Okay.
3: So it's like for me, it's like a a person who gets saved. But has been going to Ken Copeland's church. You can't stay there very long once right, you
2: but, but here's the here's what the Christian says to you. Jimmy, I'm with you. What what confession do you adhere to, Jimmy? London Baptist Westminster? I'm there. I'm I'm with you, bro. Here's the deal. I see myself as being able to get truth out even through a dark medium. And I don't participate with these people. I don't even pray with these people. I just work there because it's a platform where I can preach truth. So I can abandon that realm and there will be no truth there. Or I can stay there, collect a paycheck and try to speak truth. Okay, that's 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 what this person would say to you, Jimmy.
3: And I would argue there is a lot to be said for being guilty by association.
2: Fair enough. Yeah. But where is where is where is that line? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe here. So because what I could say, Jimmy, is do you shop at Target? Yes, I have. (sighs) I know. Guilt by association. That's true. It's a it's a a, it is a tricky. That's a tricky one. Yeah.
3: To say guilt by
2: association because it can be. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking I'm not talking about somebody who's going to a wonky church, who's, who's being theologically goofy, I'm talking about somebody that would say, huh, Jimmy, I listen to your news all the time, man. You guys, theologically, you're spot on. Keep up the good work. Where do you work? BeliefNet. Wait a second. Didn't they just write an article? Jesus did not die on the cross for our sins. Yeah. Total heresy. Well, then what are you doing working there? Well, I believe it's a platform to me to speak truth to people in a, on, a, on a very... Large platform. Okay, uh, personally, I can disagree with that. I don't think that I could work there. Yeah, I see
3: where you're coming from now.
2: But at the same time, it's like, wait a second. Their approach to this is an employment issue. Ugh, it's different than I wouldn't do it. But would I draw a line and say you're out of the kingdom? I don't. I don't think you would draw that line. Would you? You. You would. You still probably adhere to. They shouldn't be there. They should quit.
3: Right. know. Right? absolutely.
2: But would you kick them out of the kingdom? No, no. That, see, that's, that's where we have a tendency, though, to <laughs> not make that distinction, that we have a tendency to go, wait, if you're there, if you know that person, if you uh, approached this cultural situation this way, well, then I have no other option but to say that you and I are not members of the same kingdom. And that sometimes is true, (laughs) but not always. Jesus did not die on the cross for our sins. No matter how hard you search, writes the author, you will not find a single passage in the entire Bible that says anything about Jesus paying for the penalty of our sin. Who could have let How many editors saw this and went, You're right, there isn't a single Bible verse that talks about Jesus shedding his blood to pay the penalty for our sins? Print it! This is just just nonsense, is what this is. And we have no quarter for this. That's because, this author writes, this is a Christian belief that the Bible doesn't teach. Rather, it was a theology created by humans. And then, so here's, and this is this is the question that at least the author attempted to answer. What was the point of the cross? And, and here's what the author said: John 15, 13 states: No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus died on the cross to show us what love looks like in action. Yeah, you're right. But what was accomplished there? Why did that have to happen? If there is no propitiation involved, then Jesus Christ would be a lunatic who went to a cross for what reason? To say this is what love is? Okay, why is it love? What is the consequence if you do not perform this act of love? And that is why this particular article is staggering in its lack of recognition that the Bible is replete with Bible verses That Jesus Christ died for sinners. For instance, wait a second before I read this. No matter how hard you search, you will not find a single passage in the entire Bible that says anything about Jesus paying the penalty for our sins. Let's have that fresh in our minds. 1 John 2.2, he is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. It's available to everybody. Propitiation, buying back. That's what he accomplished on the cross. First John 4.10, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You've got yourself Romans 3.25. Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, to be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. Hebrews 2:17 Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. John 3:16 You know that verse. 1 John 2 My little children I'm writing these things that you may not sin, but if you do we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. John 3:36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him, and Jesus removed it. 1 Peter 3:18. Christ suffered also once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. 2 Corinthians 5:19 In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Hebrews 9.14. I'm, I'm, I'm burning through the pages. Hebrews 5.9, 1 Timothy 2.6, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8. But God shows his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us on behalf of, of us, 1 John 4, 14, it's just everywhere. An article like that, blasphemy, heresy, and that is a line we should be willing to draw. This is Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared bible
3: are we heading toward a dystopian society who decides what is good and evil who decides what truth is are there such things as fate or free will morals are we born with those or does the culture we live in inform them those are all really good questions and topics that we tackle daily on wretched radio and tv our goal has always been to preach the gospel equip others to preach the gospel and strengthen the local church. And we're only able to do that with the help of our gospel partners. If you are a Wretched Gospel Partner, thank you so much for your support, which has allowed us to create compelling quality productions that catch the eye of unbelievers, but aren't so cringy they make believers blush. And if you aren't currently, would you pray about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel Partner? Help us continue to reach millions all over the world with the gospel. Just visit wretched.org donate, or you can also so just as easily text the word WRETCHED to the number 44321.
2: There are many struggles experienced by our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, specifically those who run the Masters Academy International.
1: The biggest challenge for men attending TMAI, especially in our context in Ukraine, is the opposition from people in the church who oppose sound doctrine and therefore men really struggle to transform their ministries and. a with the word of God
2: the Masters Academy International in Ukraine fighting a battle on two fronts (laughs) you've got Russia of course and you have opposition from the church in Ukraine for biblically trained pastors to preach the gospel. Would you please consider supporting the Master's Academy International, Adopt-A-Seminary, 17 different countries. Might want to turn your attention to Ukraine. To learn more about this amazing legacy ministry, visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor.
0: Hermeneutics. The Bible is not a manual. While it should be read literally, the books fit into a variety of genres, including narrative, poetry, prophecy, and epistle. How we understand and apply scripture begins with identifying what genre we are reading.
2: This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's a beautiful day in... Half of America, this is Wretched Radio. The dust hasn't nearly begun to settle on the momentous Roe v. Wade decision. It's no longer permission for people to get abortions because the Supreme Court has decided it's up to the states to figure these things out. You know, the way the Constitution says, and yet, even though the Supreme Court has decided to kick it back to the states, a lot of people, they're clamoring that abortions are now illegal everywhere and that isn't reality. Joining us on the telephone, our very good friend Dan Steiner from preborn.org slash wretched to help us understand what is going on litigiously. Where are the states at and what do we need
1: to be doing at this time? How are you doing, Dan? Doing great. I'm great to be on. Uh, one of the best programs in America, one of the most pro life programs in America here wretched and
2: You know, it's a funny thing, Dan, when when the announcement came out, everybody was thinking, "Okay, we got to do something. And it's like, well, actually, we've just been doing this for years. We've we've been talking about life forever. And I I just I couldn't think of anything spectacular
1: to say. It's um, almost breathtaking, frankly, the historical moment that we get the privilege of seeing with our own eyes. I mean.
2: No, it's a huge celebratory day, but the rumor is that abortion is now illegal. Is that the reality on a state level? No, it really isn't.
1: I mean, in some states it is, such as Ohio. You know, you're not going to be able to get an abortion. In Oklahoma, even before Roe versus Wade, you could get one if the abortion does it, they get fined $100,000. You know, so there's about 21 states that will make abortion severely restricted or illegal in their states, but there's 18 to 20 states where it will be legal and fully able to get an abortion. So before Roe versus Wade was turned back to the states, which is the constitutional prescription to begin with, Roe versus Wade invented a constitutional right that did not exist. And the Supreme Court said, for our own reputation, we need to turn this thing back. It was it was poor law. It was egregiously, I think it's the word that Alito used, um, and we agree with that. And so, now, many states restrict it. Texas, as you know, did the heartbeat law before Roe versus Wade, and women were flocking to Oklahoma on the north side, on the east side, Louisiana on the west side, on the south side, Mexico, and our center of Laredo on the border, Texas, sent me an email four days ago and said, we need help, we have got hundreds of women that come across every week from Mexico Bleeding because they had hack abortion, couldn't get it in the state of Texas. And so women will what the turning back Roe versus Wade doesn't do is it doesn't stop women from sexual activity. It doesn't stop them from getting pregnant, and it doesn't stop them from wanting abortion. And so here we are, having to be in these now abortion sanctuary states like New York, like California, like Illinois, where they've enshrined abortion in many of cases, a state constitutional right. In the case of California, for instance, Governor Newsom said, we will pay for you to come in if you're from another state, not even a citizen of of California.
2: Which raises a question that I think is always worthy of a little consideration, and that is what is motivating this? Because, Dan, I'm certain that these corporations and states that are saying, we'll pay you $4,000 so that you can go have an abortion in a different state, they don't offer that benefit for cancer, for any form of illness that doesn't get treated well near you, but they do it for abortion. Why? The short
1: answer is because they report to the spirit of disobedience. This is the blood sacrifice for the church of Satan. He's a murderer from the very beginning, and he loves abortion. The other thing is that our nation's under deep deception for the sake of convenience, and that's like 99% of abortions for the sake of convenience, they will take the life of their child and their, you know, by the secular media, by entertainment, by virtually every one of the seven pillars of our society, education, saying that women have this right to do this, and so this great darkness is now on our country, gravitating half of the nation from one side and half of the nation on the other side. And the contract couldn't be stark here, Todd, on, you know, the tweet storms revealed it the day after Roe v. Wade was announced, even on the day it was announced. Here you have people saying, night of terror, night of violence, burn, loot, the faith and burn in the firebombing, you know, our preborn clinic. On the other side, you've got pro-life contingents with praises, with songs of worship, with thanksgiving, and prayers for those that are hostile against them. The difference couldn't be any starker. This is polarizing our nation.
2: I think that they're in a panic because for decades, second-wave feminism has been striving to separate the procreative act from the procreative consequences. And this has really just put an end to that, at least a super big hurdle. So this is something that they've been striving for that I think has a ton of implications, including women, and what their value is, and if there are differences between men and women, so this interferes with the current agenda that men can be women, et cetera so i this is this is a deep wound for them because of the implications Dan, you mentioned that preborn centers are experiencing some pushback on this. Are they safe? How many have you
1: heard from that are being vandalized or at least threatened? Yeah, there's been at least 27 pregnancy clinics, not all of which, by the way, Todd, are pre-born clinics. There's uh, 2,500 pregnancy clinics. We're just in the biggest abortion cities, but over 27 clinics have been vandalized. Typically and frighteningly, um, it has the Antifa A, which is like a red A with a circle, and then partnering with Jane's Revenge from Jane Roe of Roe versus Wade. And, uh, of course, our partner clinic in um, Buffalo, New York, was firebombed. burned the inside of it two nights ago. A, A clinic in Longmont, Colorado, also was burned. This is not a surprise. And this, by the way, I would maintain is the essence of who we are as Christians. It says we war not against flesh and blood. The implication is that we are, in fact, at war, and we are. So, a little surprised that there is actually a consequence to being at war, whether that's being threatened, whether that's being, you know, our clinic, little clinic director, Cuban lady, wonderful lady, Martha down in Miami, little Havana. I mean, they threatened her life, they threatened her children, they threatened to find her at church. These are not, I mean, murder by day, loot by night. These people are not principled folks. And it just reveals the character, contrast between the pro life. And the pro-death side, I won't call them pro-bores, it's pro-death, you know, it's not candy coast thing. The
2: mainstream media and the Department of Justice are really watching this to, wait a second, sorry, that's not happening at all. Dan, what can Christians do now? Because some people may have breathed a sigh of relief. The whole debate has been ended, but we know that it hasn't. So what can we do to keep advancing the life
1: cause? Well, first off, be educated. Don't accept the narrative. By the way, when you hear the word narrative, it's never good. Narrative is a story. It's not a fact. This is the problem with America is that we have abandoned truth. There are absolute truths founded on the word of God by the one that wrote the word of God, God himself, who is who has the authority to make those truths. And so we as Christians can stand for what's true and not be swayed by the cultural narratives of pure Uh, what this really is, which is the destruction of the image of God, whether that's saying that you can kill an unborn child that's created in the image of God, whether you can say that a little girl is actually a little boy, although God created her as a little girl. No, this is all about the image of God, the Imago Dei. And so we need to stand for the truth with our neighbors, with our friends, be not afraid to speak the truth, of course, in love to those that, that might have a different viewpoint and then support organizations like Freeborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today, offering freely loving, Christ-centered, gospel-oriented alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it eloquently. He said, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is, in fact, to act. And so we must do something, whether that's to pray, whether that's to volunteer, uh, you can go to preborn.org. Uh, there's things you can be part of there, and uh, we really appreciate, especially Todd, your stance—not just teaching the Word of God here at Wretched Radio, but but applying it to our partnership over the years. So grateful, brother.
2: Y'all are the ones that are doing the hard work and these days, the dangerous work. And I would I would simply echo. Supporting a Life Center right now, I, I, Dan, maybe more now than ever, as women are in more of a panic over a crisis pregnancy, we need to keep the pre-born centers healthy, we need to keep providing ultrasounds, we need to keep providing similec and clothing, and most importantly, the gospel to people yeah. who come in, in a, God has their attention. And they preach the gospel at the Preborn Centers. You can support them at preborn.org slash wretched.
1: It took 50 years. It took 70 million babies, lives. But life did, in fact, win. This is something to celebrate because Jesus Christ has said it. I am the way and the truth and the life. And that's what we stand for, whether that manifests as the gospel, whether that manifests as a little baby. This is where we stand. We could do no other. And it's a joy and a privilege to do so with you, UK. All
2: right, Dan, you stay faithful. Keep up the good work. Everybody stay safe. And please consider supporting preborn, slash wretched. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.